Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast. Where's the comic book problem? Shake the shit out of it. I think it opens up the uh, distribution for comics in more places. Yeah, it does. Like, uh, if you, I mean, I don't know. I I think it's interesting. I I haven't watched it yet, but I know that Perth guy has this video on what we can learn from manga. And I think one of the biggest things that why manga sells better is that it's very obvious where to start. You know, like their their trade dress is consistent and it's consistent and easy. Yeah. And it doesn't change halfway through a run or whatever. Like, it's that's what it's going to be. And it's just as easy for the employees stocking as it is the people yeah. buying. Well, like you can look at it and go, oh, I need number five. It's right there and grab it. Like yeah. it's like, cause I was just look, I mean, as I'm putting all my comics away from the move, the Tom King um, run, I bought all the, the trades when they first come out and there's like three different tr- uh, trade dresses on them. Cause there's like the, the, the first of the launch and then they have the midpoint of the launch. And then the most recently they stopped putting the volume number on the side. They had to put it on the back. So now to put them in order, I have to keep looking Cat at Catwoman the is the same way. Oh, Oh my it god, it's so annoying. I'm like, I'm like you... why did you do this? Yeah, because it's like, I mean, in some cases I have no choice, but like I try really hard to have like a consistent trade dress through all of the books. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's sort of nice. It looks good on the shelf. And I know it's a nitpicky, nerdy complaint, but it's just really weird and kind of but, well, you are a nerd, so it happens. Complaint. Yeah, it does. Well, and also going back to the whole thing with, with Marvel at doing their own distributing kind of thing with uh-huh. Random Penguin House. Uh I was talking with Maya last week about this, and you know, he was intrigued too because one of the problems that they're having is I think Ike Promoter is still kind of in charge of their comics division. He's a fuckhead, but mm-hmm. uh, they're not prepping for things properly. So, for instance, WandaVision came out and every single comic store in the history of the world, except for like, you know, Comicsology and the digital comics, are completely sold out of any kind of yeah. anything of the divisions or, or, yeah, or Wanda, or they're out of print. And it's like, yeah. If you're a smart business person and you're like, hey, guess what? There's this thing coming out. It's like the first Marvel TV show that people are excited for. Maybe we should print some more of these or have some extras ready to go or just, you know, tap on the shoulder of these comics stores or distributors being like, hey, just, you know, you may want to get a couple extras. People are going to want them because. Well, yeah. And I think the comic stores are smart enough to do that. Um, I think it's just they're fucking stupid about not printing stuff and having it ready. And it's funny coming from the company, the worship to the God of synergy. Like, it's amazing to me. And then you look um, at the whole thing. With the, the comics industry as a whole, like it's they're selling fewer and fewer comics, and more and more they're they're the lion's share. I'd say, well, maybe not the lion's share, but we're seeing more of it go over to digital. Like you know, Borders went out of business, and Barnes and Noble's on the cusp for a reason. People mm-hmm. like the you just feel like, hey, I have my Kindle, or I've got my smartphone or tablet. I hit a button, and boom, I can read. Yeah. So if they're trying to still push this industry and especially support places that are still providing them a lot of revenue, you need someone smarter in place to do this yeah. stuff. Because if I was running, out, I would have been like, hey, we got a backstock. Even be like, hey, you know what? We will sell you 100 copies, and we have a guaranteed buyback of 20%. 20% of whatever you don't buy, yeah. we will, or so we'll buy back from you. Well, they used to always have like return policies for everything, too. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, and I don't own a comic shop, so I don't know if they do or not anymore. But I, I don't think they do. I, uh, not typically. Yeah, that, that was something that kind of went away really when um, the, the market started. Like, basically, what, just before the 90s, I think, maybe? Um, yeah, variant covers also killed that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, yeah, that... that we need to stop with variant covers oh my god but that, that's the thing is like that's a a 90s sales gimmick that has somehow way outstayed its welcome it's incredible 
But anyway, after we stop bemoaning an industry, we don't really totally know what the fuck we're talking about, but sort of do. Uh, Welcome to uh, another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater (laughs) podcast. Uh, We are continuing our month of May the 4th be with you, uh, or in the case of this book, May the 4th of Others be with you, which fucking irritated me, but we'll get into that. We'll talk Uh, about that, yes. We're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about a lot. This might be a ranting episode, which are always the most fun to listen to and the hardest to edit, so this will be entertaining. Um, I know. Uh, we're gonna go in reverse time zone order. We have in. Are you are you mountain or are you central, Lena? I'm mountain. Mountain. Oh, mountain. Okay. Mountain. Well then. Well, then the furthest on uh, the furthest east, we'll go east to west then. Uh, so east, our most eastern uh, border, uh, if you consider the Colorado Rockies a border. Uh, we have Lena. Hi, Lena. Oh my God, that was so Hi. over, like, drawn out <laughs> intro. Yo. Here's the brilliant Lena. thing. I'm going to edit that all down, then it's going to sound great. Like, all, all that will be gone. I'll sound like I totally know what I'm doing. It's going to be awesome. Just just watch. And it's going to uh, be like William Shatner, like, it. East, Rocky, Lena. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. going to be like, that was so drawn out and crazy of an intro. That's yeah. cut out everything other than me giving him shit for it. Probably. Exactly, yes, because <laughs> he is a goddamn liar, so. I am yeah. a goddamn liar. Okay, between the two of you, my phone swears at me a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I aim to please. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a ringtone for Todd yet, but between the two of you, especially on our group text, every once in a while my phone just goes, up and it's just yelling at me a lot. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, should, I should get yours to be like, drink, fucker, like we used to have back in the day. Oh my gosh. That's I just right. couldn't do it at work. I would get in trouble. I, well, that's the thing. Right. Is like, right now, there is nobody else at my work except for Amanda, and Amanda puts up with my shit pretty well. So the funny thing is, is that if I, when I, she hears the ringtones now, she's like, oh, tell Lena or tell Ellen I say hi. It's hilarious. Um, but uh, not that she's met either of you. Uh, anyway, moving on in the great state of Utah, uh, home of my birth, but not the home of his, we have Mr. Adam. Now remember, it's the pretty great straight state. Pretty great state. Why is it just the pretty great state? No, so that was the. Uh, That's that hard was to the, say. That's I know. really hard to say. <laughs> no, so that was, that was the slow before life elevated it was the pretty great straight state and then people would be like oh it's a pretty great state and so that's why they changed it oh interesting okay so, uh yeah. okay then hi i'm brian i'm california and then going across the ocean to the land of moana we have the hawaiian tropics model that we all know and love mr todd hey i might be uh i'm sunburnt todd so <laughs> he's a lobster uh, that's right you'll fit in with uh with lena's northeastern people uh yeah ellen had a neighbor from uh, Boston who got lobsters for uh, Christmas and like put them on the floor and had them fight before she boiled them which I thought was oh the my most God. massive thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Uh, she, he's a fighter. It was like was the blue table, he's a fighter. put money on that. Yeah, oh man, it was wild. Uh, her husband was just shaking his head. It was really funny. Anyway. Hi, did Chris, she give them was, knives? She did not. They still had their claws like with the rubber bands which I spilled. Oh, because like, like the bear. one with like, the, the crab with the knife I just I absolutely love. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, so this week we are reading the capital T-H-E Star Wars, which is... For better or for worse, a comic based on the what we're told is the first draft of George Lucas's uh, Star Wars movie. Yeah. We'll get into all of it. You can hear some moans. Um, yes, and, and I don't know if we talked about the fact that the only reason why I recommended that, well, there's twofold. One, I bought it a long-ass time ago at Solid Comic Con, if we can call yeah. it that without getting sued. And I never read it. Actually, I started to read it multiple times and then just got busy or something. I understand that. Yeah. I understand why you had to put it down a few times. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> why as well. Uh, and two, 
two, you know, so many people do like talk about Star Wars comics and obviously we're doing May the Fourth Be With You. We've done other Star Wars comics. This is one I've never heard anyone tackle and I think I know why. So (laughs) I figured we were probably the best ones to do it because we have no filter and we are on an explicit rated podcast. So Also true. Uh, I I do have some thoughts that are, I won't say positive, but interesting. So I won't be completely negative, but I know a lot of it will probably be negative. Um, I do want to say, fuck, I had a thought. Anyway. (laughs) Did it hurt? Story it, of it my did. life. It did. I'm sorry. I got I got my uh, my first shot yesterday, and I've got that massive headache that sometimes people warn me about. That's, that's you didn't hydrate. That's I told you to hydrate. No, no, you told me to hydrate for the second one. I've been hydrating a lot. I just got this headache. So um, yeah, because I got my second one two days ago, and I so I was drinking Gatorade all day long, peeing every 20 seconds. Got the shot, and I didn't pee once the rest of the night. So I don't know if my body just like sucked up every bit of water inside me. But the worst thing I had was a sore arm and then like some body aches. You're a human sponge, sir. Well, we're trying to experiment. All my friends are doing it, and then we're trying to compare and contrast them to the ones who don't. Mm-hmm. Because if this works, I'm gonna like write a book. You write a book about uh, drinking a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Okay, by the human sponge, Doctor Adam. Um, I do remember what I was gonna say though. Uh, for those of you who want to read this book for whatever reason, after listening to this podcast or because you're gonna listen to this episode, I will warn you: it is out of print, very out of print. So the best I, thought way- it, I thought it was digital. Well, it that's is the digital. thing. So okay. that's the best way to get it because like. I normally get everything in paper. I have this one in digital because like when I look for it on Amazon, I could buy it from someone for about a hundred bucks. And I was yeah. like, not really worth it. About uh, $99 too much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but because if any book will drive you to drink, it may be this one, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Oh yes. We have a cocktail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's called the star killer. So you're going to take an ice-filled shaker. You're going to add one ounce of tequila, one half ounce of brandy, one ounce of pomegranate liqueur, uh, one teaspoon, or just a splash, you know, of grenadine. Uh, you shake the shit out of it. You strain into an ice-filled glass. You top with two ounces of Sprite. Now, it calls for two teaspoons of silver cake shimmer dust, but I've seen it before where, like, an eighth of a teaspoon will, like, cover your whole house in glitter for five years. But whatever you put on there, you just put on there, and then you stir really, really nicely so it gets all glittery, and you've got, like, this little red light saber type drink that will hopefully make you forget you read this book. (laughs) May have to have a couple of them. Uh, I know there'll probably be some fun ones of these, and I have a few prepared, so I'm not afraid to to go last on this one. Lena, what is your drinking game for this week? Hey, that's not him. Uh, Anytime you see a name of a character that you know, but that character does not look like character from the movies, drink. Uh, Caveat, small sips. Yeah. Small sips. And you'll want to drink because you'll get angrier and angrier throughout the entire book so don't get me started on han solo um i i'm sorry i had we'll get into it but oh my god yeah anyway anyway it's gonna be a it's gonna be a show kids it's gonna be great uh mr todd what is your drinking april oh look the artist thinks he's clever that dumb fuck (laughs) every time So every time you're reading it, and since this was created after the movies and everything, so after the art was done, he takes a piece of Star Wars and puts it as another thing instead. Mm-hmm. Take a drink. Okay. Uh, Mr. Adam. So mine ties in to Lena's, so it's kind of like a double thing, but mine goes a bit further. 
So mine is called, well, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> so every time you see something in the book that either wasn't in the movies or was done a thousand times better in the movie, take it. Okay. Uh, I, I for me, one. just the, the, the way they spell Anakin, every time I oh. saw it, I, I just, I wanted to uh, go c- commit seppuku. Gotcha. <laughs> I had a similar one to that, which was every time you see something in this script that ended up being in a different Star Wars movie or extended Star Wars universe, somehow referenced that was going to be mine to take a drink but i am going to go with well at least that stuck every time there's an actual line in the book that ended up making it to the movie unaltered take a drink may the force of others be with you oh my god okay (laughs) let's start with that horse shit um So the general gist of this book um, is, first off, we now know that from the very beginning, George Lucas had a hard-on for intergalactic trade disputes because we fucking start with one in this book uh, that the Jedis have to show up to. Luke knows his dad the entire time. So wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Before we start, though, okay. when did this get published? Um, it was right, I think it was 2015. It was right after, so actually I did read the foreword. Uh, Lucas was putting a stamp of approval on it, and then when it was sold to Disney is when he kind of stepped away from the project okay all right so uh 2013 excuse me all right so how much of this though is revisionist history going on yeah i wondered that too well i think it was written written by white guys so most of it well uh yeah there's that i but todd i i I agree with you to a certain point there because there's two questions i have on that respect which is one how much of it was reimagined by the author versus what's in lucas's script Uh and number two there are some moments that are in films that come out after this fact like the uh the boarding sequence where they're trying to get onto the the ship is similar to a certain extent to what happens in Solo. Like there's different um, there's different sequences that sort of reference other movies that weren't out at that point in time. So like there are some like elements that you can pick and choose and go, oh okay, this sort of ended up somewhere else in the Star Wars universe. Which for a little bit that's kind of an interesting thing. But like the, I, I want to put it this way. We'll start with. May the force of others be with you. Lena, I think, said it best when she sent a text message to me saying, the edits that were made were well done. Uh, yes. So, Lena, your thoughts on the things that got cut and the things that uh, were really annoying in the script that uh, ended up being better in the, in the films? Well, Han Solo being one of them. Um, yeah. The characters in this, first off, does anybody notice that Luke Skywalker in this kind of looks like George Lucas? Mm-hmm. A little bit, with yeah, a little bit of a, like a, a THX helmet on, too. That I was noticed. almost yeah. my drinking game. I was, it was yeah. going to be like, is that George? Yeah. Yeah. And that was because when I'm like, I'm like halfway, th- I was halfway through the book and I just uh, went, there was one panel and I'm trying to find it where you see his face so clearly. And I'm like, did this guy just, and he just turned Luke into George Lucas. Like I, mm. I, I was like, I just don't understand. Um, There are things in here where the, the, the edits in terms of how everything, how everyone knows each other and how everybody comes together in the movie and the having Obi-Wan and um, in, they ma- basically made Luke Anakin from this. Yep. And yeah. it, like, it just, the edits that they made for the movie after his, I guess this was the original draft, is way better of a story. It's definitely more, this was just a lot of, I don't 
to know. It just, I, I was like, I don't care about any of this. And then the whole thing with Anakin and Leia falling in love <laughs> kind of freaked me out. You mean after he decks like, her? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, not only that, but I'm like, I'm sitting here going, that's your father. And then you see Darth Vader is this weird dude. Like, he's just a dude. He looks totally normal. Yeah. He doesn't have his torso light bright. Mm-hmm. He, no, which is the best part. You can see his and face. You can see his face. He has the helmet, but the helmet, God help me, when you see it from behind, you're like, oh, okay, now there's Vader. And then he turns around and he looks like Dark Helmet. Like, what was it? Yeah, Dark, Dark, Helmet. Dark, Dark Helmet. Helmet. Yeah, 100%. From, from Spaceballs. Like, he turns around in front of the thing is open and I was just like, oh, what assholes? Like, I just <laughs> I couldn't handle it. So it was just, there was a lot that, and C, C-3PO oh and R2. R2 can actually talk in this fucking thing. Yeah, that yeah. was the other thing. And I hated the way that the Wookiees looked. Yeah. Like, uh, it, Han Solo's a green I, monster. I can't, I can't. I, I was reading it and then I'm like, wait a second, who's this green guy? Wait, that's not Han. Mm-hmm. And I had to go back a few pages to make sure that I wasn't losing my mind and reread and then went, oh, that is Han Solo. What the fuck? Like, yeah. I was so confused as to how they went from this weird misshapen green dude to Indiana Jones. But yeah. Um, but then like the, the in-between the issues, the covers are very reminiscent of the the new posters that they have for all yeah. of the yeah, the Drew so Cruz it's and stuff. Just, yeah. So I'm just like, what? So you want it like and I saw that in their little explanation bef- like with all the characters at the end, they're like, we wanted to make it different so that it was like, how do you make it make something exotic more exotic? And it's just like, what the f-? like it even says it here. It's just you know, how does one go about redefining and redesigning something so ingrained in our shared consciousness as Star Wars? Stick too close to what has already been established in the films, be perceived as derived or bland no it is show it's like you could have it where i know that these characters are different but you didn't have to make han solo look like an alien yeah now i don't know because i didn't read the original draft was he an alien i have no idea but going off of this i I would not have liked this movie this movie would not have done well (laughs) yeah Sure. And there's just, it was a lot of stuff that had to do with um, the things that were going on and not a lot with the characterization behind them, which I feel like the movie is all about. It's it's a soap opera in space. That's what the movies are. That's what that's what A New Hope is. Mm-hmm. And George Lucas has even said that, where it's... Yeah, space know, opera. You, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, and so it's so much about family and, and finding yourself and figuring out where you fit within this bullshit that's happening. And this just felt very much like, here's all this action. This is what they're fighting. This is what's going on. And there was some relationships within this, but like the whole thing with Anakin and Leia, I was like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, I, you know, I don't know. I just didn't. <sighs> and then the, and then the dude that's part of the Sith, but he's not because he starts, it, like, th- did that make sense to anybody else? The guy in the black, 
back with the Vader-like mask. Oh, like Pierce or mm. something was his name? I, I don't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I, mean, he, he I was, don't remember his name. He was a more interesting character than Vader was in this as well. He was, but the thing that I didn't understand was he started, he like was going after them and then all of a sudden started fighting with Anakin against the stormtroopers. And I was like, I feel like I've missed something. It kind of felt like that was the turn that Vader took in Jedi. Like it was, it was the, his like redemption arc, which isn't really redemption, but it was kind of like he was like wised up and realized like, oh, these people are fuckheads. I shouldn't be a part of them. And then, which honestly be, with, with the Sith, which I'll talk about in a minute with the Sith and the Jedi and this, like that's kind of what they do. They betray each other. So that does kind of live up to that, the legacy of the Sith. So true. But then the other piece too, the Wookiees were really creepy looking and the fact that apparently they made Anakin their king or whatever. I was like, all right, I'm done. Well, that was like the Ewok thing from Jedi as well. Yeah. Which by the way, I know that people like Ewoks and everything, but I think they're creepy. You know who hates <laughs> them? Mark Hamill. <laughs> Fucking hates uh, Ewoks. Uh, so I interestingly enough, I found a copy of the first draft online. And so far, the first scene is kind of similar with the kid and the and the, the test and all that sort of shit. So, mm. But what I will say is if this comic is accurate to the original script, George Lucas has always had the same ability to write romance. Um, that has not evolved at all because the... <laughs> he just has more sand this time. <laughs> the, I think I love you. And then, oh my God, I think I love her. These two characters who had as much chemistry as a postage stamp. Like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, where did that come? Yeah, yeah. exactly. They had more chemistry than Dane DeHaan and the other chick in Valerian, though. No, it was very similar to that. It was as close to, to Valerian as you could get. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, Adam, what are your thoughts? So the two quick things I thought of as we were talking about was, you know, whether or not this is 100% to his script. And then we talked about that this came out in 2013. So there were things that were in movies and stuff that hadn't come out. So calling the, the Jedi the Jedi Bendu, the Bendu actually was a character in Rebels, mm -hmm. the deep Disney Plus show or Disney Kids, whatever it was called back then, uh, which was uh, this character who was like, I guess, part of the Force or was a manifestation of the Force that was 100% neutral. So that definitely lends credence to the script. And Brian, you look up and saw it but also what was interesting was that the the idea of the sith and the uh and the jedi wasn't kind of like like may the fourth of force of others be with you kind of seem like a intangible kind of thing with this it wasn't something that the people used it was like hey you were like it was like the royal guard versus like the black knights kind of thing yeah. it was like hey kind of where you sided upon and like you know the, the sith seem more kind of like uh, uh mercenaries yeah which would kind of make sense with what's his fuck turning turning tail and you know fight fighting with the rebels uh this just proves to me that again th there is a really cool world here that someone just created out of their out of the blue and George Lucas has always been very very good at world building but he always has to have someone to rein him in mm -hmm. and point him in the right direction and make some edits uh we can go you know look at the whole the whole prequel trilogy and while I, I'm not a big fan I do appreciate the lore and some of the mythology they, they bring to Star Wars so well I'm not going to go sit back and watch Attack of the Clones probably ever again uh <laughs> there was good stuff there there was stuff that move the story along and kind of explain things. So with this, I was kind of hoping for more than what we got, obviously. I wouldn't have recommended it otherwise. Uh, or suggested it. I didn't recommend it. I suggested it. But, but what you have here is just so disjointed and so, like, it's almost like he woke up from a fever dream and just started writing shit down. Yeah. I mean, but you know? it is, it, it's, it's a rough draft. So it's like, a rough draft. And I, yeah. I can't really fault that. It's like, if this had been, like, you know, a couple drafts in, I can't really fault George Lucas for this because this literally is, like, it would be like when J.K. Rowling, like, was writing Harry Potter on a napkin. Yeah. 
that's going to be nowhere yeah. near what the final product is. So it's just, it's hard to judge this because we know what what this led to. We know, and, and whether or not you love or like Star Wars or hate it, like everyone knows Star Wars. Like you can mm-hmm. go to you know, mm-hmm. the Congo and this kid will know what Star Wars is. But for me, it was almost, it was more interesting to see the journey of what was to what became. Uh, and the, the artwork, you know, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because it is very much based on the Ralph McQuarrie original, you know, the drawings he did for uh, the studios and for George Lucas way back in the day. But all that being said, is this is this story this this basic version of what Star Wars became, and like again, not just the New Hope, but other movies were tied into this. Uh, is it worth reading? Because honestly, in Return of the Jedi, they were supposed to go to Kashyyyk and meet the Wookiees, and instead of Ewoks, it was supposed to be mm-hmm. the Wookie planet who made C three PO their god and stuff. Is this something though you need to spend time? Because this is like a two hundred and forty page book or something like that. It's not a short book by any means. Yeah. No, I think you can easily <laughs> go online like Brian just did, and you could Google George Lucas Star Wars rough draft and you could probably read it in 20-30 minutes or skim it and you'd have the same effect so did this need to exist maybe from like that historical like footnote standpoint yes but does it mean you should go read it absolutely not like this doesn't add anything to your experience of Star Wars all it would add to it is the fact that oh my god thank Christ it wasn't this kind of thing yeah Uh, for those of you who are interested I found multiple drafts and versions of different scripts on Star Wars W-A-R-Z dot com so that's where I found a lot of that shit. Um, also, a complete synopsis of uh, of the script and the comic is on Wikipedia, so uh, or Wikipedia. So you can also save yourself some trouble on that one as well. Mr. Todd, how, what are your thoughts? So as I was reading it and going through it, another drinking game possibility I had is um, young guys rule, old guys are boring. <laughs> and we have Starkiller and Anakin and all of this going back and forth. Of uh, The heroes are old, and it's kind of like letting the new generation come in. Wow. Mm-hmm. It started this going on and yet at the same time i didn't care care know what i mean it's yeah. not like it, it was one of those things there and i said no let's make him younger and approachable because it felt like there was a lot of needless exposition because like i am this uh, hardened old warrior let me tell you about these things that of course you should know but i'm gonna say anyways and that didn't come across great so mm-hmm. having uh, an inexperienced luke was probably the greatest change they made as a young man just for the introduction of the universe because you know you even have the Mos Eisley cantina scene and you have some of these others going on and every the tone is just so different yeah it is so different and it drove me crazy of going this is crazy I'm going to go to this underground castle fortress underground fortress that nobody knows about that I'm going to blow up and we're going to be and you've got I mean a little bit they did with the Death Star was okay I kind of liked that I was like what is this thing that was Mm -hmm. actually probably the high point for me. Yeah. But it's as of being a rough draft, there were seeds of ideas, and the only thought I had is, does let the Wookiee win have more import if you're a weird <laughs> green alien? I don't know. Yeah. It's But it's it was a frustrating read because, you know, and I ask about the revisionism of it, and maybe it's not, but I could also see someone's as an opportunity to rewrite things or to incorporate things. And did he also have initial ideas that got cut he added in, in later projects? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he did. Yeah, or if or someone put it in as a reference to the original script, you know what I mean? Right. Like the writer of Solo see- could have seen like that and like, oh, there was a scene in the script. I'm going to make my own homage to it. I mean, that could be part of 
the case as well, you know? That can be the case here, but it's um this is an interesting case where the movie, I mean, you know, it's got refined and everything. Everything's better. Mm-hmm. And the um it also goes to show for the charisma of actors. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As much as he's seen, I mean, one of the challenges I remember watching an interview with like the prequel trilogy with Natalie Portman. It's like, oh, you're doing the third movie. How is it? She's like, saying my lines. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah. The uh, she was not asked to flex her ass, flex her acting muscles very much there. Yeah. And yeah, that's the same writer here. And it's the the world building you've got right because he has interesting things going on, but this also had too much because you had people yeah. running out of power. You're trying to get these power cells issues. Take this power, let me die. But may the force be with us. This had too much going on. Cut the craft, get it going. And this was just a lot of craft and the point of view was weird. And there was a lot of just needless stuff going on. Yeah, but you could see there was gems in there, but they were all covered in dirt. What's really interesting that when you mentioned that it's like, you know, cut the crap and there's there's a lot of interesting there that covered in dirt was as this comes out, I think the the Snyder cut of Justice League came out about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I I actually sat that sat down and watched the whole thing in one go. Uh and my my takeaway from that was was it better than like the original version? Like I think so. I honestly I saw it once in a screening and don't remember much about it. Uh but the what we got out of that was there was so much fluff and so much extra. I think they said like 20% of the movie was in slow motion. Maybe it might have been less, but it was a sizable chunk was in slow motion. Of the uh, new one or of the original one? Of the new one. Like mm-hmm. there's so much, like in the first 20 minutes, there's like five minutes at least of, of slow motion. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, like four hours long, isn't it? It is. It is yeah. four hours long. With, with after credit scenes and stuff. So my take on that movie was that I, overall, I actually do like Zack Snyder. I Sucker Punch, the, at least the already cut is one of the, it's very underrated and most people hate that movie. I think it's great. I love Watchmen actually. The Watchmen Ultimate Cut, I can leave on in the background and just let it play and then look up every so often. But with Justice League, the new the new cut is like there is a really, really good movie actually inside of it. If you were to take an editor and be like, hey, so Mr. Snyder, I understand you have hubris, but we're not going to allow this. We're going to cut down this, 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 and this. You would have had a damn fine movie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about this. And that's what we got. We, the, the Star Wars movie we got is the damn fine version of this. It just goes back to my idea that this, you, you can't blame George Lucas for this story. This was like, hey, this is my first like a rough draft. This yeah. is my first idea. Let's th- like it just stream of consciousness onto a paper. It's probably going to mm-hmm. suck, but there's some good little like diamonds in that dirt that we need to dig out and polish and cut and, and set, in a, set in a nice ring. And the ring we got with the diamond was Star Wars. I'm just confused why the fuck this had to exist, though. We we, we didn't need <laughs> a 200-page graphic novel of something that wasn't good before it got polished. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, just, I mean, I'm going back to my original argument kind of thing, but... Yeah. I, I mean, sure. it, it probably exists because there was a market for it. You know what I mean? Like, I was excited to read it until I actually read it. You know, like, I was like, oh, this, like, it seems like a great idea. Hey, read a, a comic book based on the original draft of Star Wars. Oh, that sounds interesting. And then you actually find yourself reading a comic that's a rough draft. And you're like, oh, this is, because, you know, the the author of this is in a rock and a hard place. Because he can either not be true to the source material and mm-hmm. make a decent comic or a decent story on its own. Or he can be true to the story and have a choppy, rough, weird comic. You know, like, he's not going to win one with way the or the other. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And you have to kind of give him a, a you know, a nice little punch in the arm for like, hey, good college try, my buddy. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, and the art's good. I mean, like, the art is solid um, for comic art. Like, it's not, it's not my it's color, it so. has a man bun. He has a man bun, and the outfit that he's wearing looks just like the Han Solo outfit in the Solo movie. Yeah. I'm just saying. 
Oh yeah, no, there's I'm not saying there aren't faults with character design, but I think the art is least done well. Like the the uh, yeah. you know the execution is, is fine. It's just not necessarily terribly interesting, you know. But uh, does anybody else have any other thoughts on this one? Don't read it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. don't. Okay, well then uh, we'll start with that, Mr. Todd. What's your grade? Oh, it, it's a C minus. Okay, that's where I'm at. Uh, Lena. Uh, I was gonna say D plus, C minus. Yeah, like it's just go watch the movie. Don't waste your money, Mr. Adam. Uh, C minus as well. It, it's again, I, I'm not faulting George Lucas for this. I'm not faulting the the writer who tried to do his best with what happened. And the art isn't horrible. Like the art is decent for what it is. But I just I don't understand why you take an idea that was so unpolished and so rough and then convert it into this. You know, pe- people say like, oh, there was a demand for it, and yeah, maybe there was. Maybe like, oh, I, I kind of want to see what this original thing really was i think because in 2013 the internet's not what it is now i mean mm-hmm. people were still using like you know ask jeeves and fucking uh uh oh what's what's the hotmail one that everyone uh, i don't remember info what info oh and, and this is even i think this is before bing or it was right around when bing came out you know no, whatever. I mean, that's not that long i mean i i was working in my current job in 2013 so yeah either which way you know we didn't we don't have access to what we have now and trying to hunt down like oh this is the original script and it was like you know some thing that some guy wrote on a slash fix site mm-hmm. uh do i think it's interesting from a historical perspective yes i think it's it does present this idea of hey this is what this is where it came from this was the beginning and that's interesting to know that hey this is this is what changed this is what made it better but at the same time it's like i don't know if you need to spend all that time and especially money if you try to go search down one of the actual physical copies to invest in this e- either one hop online go to that star wars with a z site also go to our tights with a z site where we were doing free memory membership for 30 days uh i'm still gonna make it i'm still gonna make it uh and just skim through it or listen to this podcast uh, which by now you are uh and just we we've given you everything we've told you everything in the book you don't need to go read it but just it's there it exists that's it you don't you don't need to invest in it so yeah Yeah. c minus uh i'll just go with the crowd and say c minus um yeah from her historical from a historical perspective, I thought it was interesting, but um, I don't need to read it ever again. Um, yeah. Next week, we are jumping very far in the Star Wars future and canon. We are reading about Thrawn, which I know nothing about, but I know he is going to be a major character coming up in the future Star Wars television shows, to my understanding. He was also a big part in Rebels, too, and Thrawn yes. is amazing. So I'm v- actually, I'm Thrawn very, very excited for this. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, so well, that- Thrawn was a originally introduced when they initially opened up the books for Star Wars canon. He was uh, as one of the um, best of the books. So, yeah, it was uh, Heir, to the em- Heir to the Empire. I think that actually might have even been the Empire. very first one. Yeah, Heir yep. to the Empire. It was. Yeah, it was Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and Last Command. And they were even labeled as episodes 7, 8, 9. Oh, interesting. In the books. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's what we're going to start reading next week. I'm going in this completely blind. I think, Lana, are you going in completely blind as well? Yeah, he's the blue one on the cover, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's so him. You and me are at the same spot, Lana. Yep. We have a lot of learning to do for next week. Yeah. Um, 
so to put it this way, uh, just so you kind of know, so Thrawn is this meticulous, I don't know if I even call him evil, he's just so smart and so so strategic that he he's basically the, the greatest military leader who ever has or ever will exist. He would make Napoleon and George Washington look like infants. And the biggest thing about him is that he is of, he's an alien race, hence the, the blue skin and the red eyes. And the Emperor was notoriously, again, in the original canon, maybe not so much now, was notoriously xenophobic, where he did not like people other than humans. But he respected this guy so much that he basically uh, well, not the Emperor, but the Empire in general, excuse me, not the Emperor. The, the Emperor was known for so the Empire carried it over. Uh, they gave him control of like the entire leftover fleet the Empire had after Return of the Jedi. So they trusted this person so much that he was basically he was so impeccable in his way of of running things that it didn't matter that they were being racist and xenophobic that they they were going to give him all their toys to play with yeah and the way that he gets into people's minds and understands cultures and how to attack them is i don't know if it's in the books i'm not going to spoil it is is really really fascinating so i'm I'm hoping they bring that to light in this uh in in the uh, this presentation cool uh well then that'll be for next week the week after we're going to be reading about poe dameron and then we're going to be heading into pride month and at some point in time adam's going to tell me what fucking yeah, books I know. Reading. I've got this big ass thick manga I gotta read and I just haven't had a chance. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening to us and uh, we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. I should always have my mouse ready for this stuff.